Welcome to our Bible Institute. Uh, 716 students as of uh, this morning when I checked. That's good. All around the world, people working hard, earning degrees, associate's degrees, bachelor's degrees, or just auditing classes, increasing their knowledge, hanging out. We're glad you're with us here as we contest, continue our um, survey through the New Testament together. Uh, a survey just means we're picking our way through the New Testament, and we're, uh, it's not an exhaustive study by any means, but we're highlighting some of the important things and spending some time on certain topics that uh, sort of pop out as I study through. We're in, the, uh, gospel, we're in the book of Acts, pardon me. We finished the Gospels last week, and now we moved into the book of Acts. Remember that uh, uh, Acts was written by Luke, uh, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. Um, Luke and Acts together are a great uh, read. If you've never done it that way, read them together. Luke really is about the ministry of Jesus, and Acts is the ministry of the early church, the apostles in the early church, and uh, it makes for an excellent reading of those things. And uh, the uh, Luke and Acts together combine uh, to combine to for over a quarter of the New Testament. So Luke is a uh, very instrumental, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit in his writing and uh, in the way that he really researches and records for us uh, and very, uh, he, he was quite the historian, Luke, and very detailed in the way that he kept track of things and in his note-taking and everything. Uh, so uh, he gives us a lot of information that uh, is it's so important for us to have. One of the things, you know, I love about the book of Acts is... So I want to make sure you hear what I'm saying. So the, the Scripture is complete. We, we don't add to the Scripture. Uh, it's, it's, it's all that it needs to be. And, and so we don't add to it. But the book of Acts really continues on in us. And so I, I, I want you to get a part of that. So, so we're still the church. So the church that you read about in Acts, that's us today. We're, we're what's happened all these, you know, 2,000 years later as it's continued on in us. And so we're here because of the church that's gone before us. And then what comes after us is because we're faithfully doing as the Lord calls us. But all these things that you're reading about are stuff are, are still the things that are happening. So this is, you know, our history. This is who we are. And, and so I hope that when you read Acts, you don't read it like from... Uh, like you're a stranger, but this is your family. This is the, the, the reason that we're here in Christ is because the church has been faithfully doing what it's called to do for these last 2,000 years. And uh, hopefully we'll continue on until the Lord Jesus comes back. We know what it will. We know that it will do that because Jesus has told us that nothing will overcome the church. Um, so that's a very cool thing. So we are in the fourth chapter of the book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to read you verses 7 through 22. Uh, this is basically sort of a trial, if you would, um, before the Sanhedrin. Uh, and uh, the Sanhedrin were a group of leaders, Jewish leaders, that uh, established religious community leaders and the high priest. And they did not like what the apostles were doing. They really thought they had shut all this down at the cross when Jesus was crucified. And now, here they go. It's just a very short time later. Uh, Pentecost, 50 days around there, and they've, now they've got as big, more of a problem than they had with Jesus because the, the church now explodes. Remember, all of Jesus' ministry uh, really ended up with maybe 100 people in the upper room, something like that. Uh, it was a very small group, and they had scattered and sort of come back. Uh, and 
so it's gone down. You know, you, you might even say it was down to those the 12 guys, and one of them had betrayed and was gone. S- small group, and the, and the women that traveled with him. It was a small group. And that was after three years of miraculous ministry of Jesus, and that's where it was. But now, in very short order, the church is just going to explode as the Holy Spirit comes uh, as promised and uh, empowers the apostles and the disciples and the folks to be witnesses for what's happened, and there it just takes off. So all the things that Jesus was doing is now multiplied in, in a geometric or algebraic fashion. It just compounds. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Peter has preached that first sermon in Acts uh, chapter 2, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. Men, women and children plus, so even more. And, and it just explodes from there. In a very short period of time, the, the church just goes wild. And not only in Jerusalem, then it begins to expand into the world around there, which is where we'll start getting into here in a little while, around Acts chapter 8. All right, so let me read you verses 7 through 22 in Acts chapter 4. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Because they had healed a guy uh, that couldn't walk, and he started to walk, and it was causing a lot of problems because the guy wouldn't shut up about it. He just kept telling everybody what happened, and it was an obvious miracle because everybody knew this guy was lame, and now he was walking around. And so, uh, by what power and name did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple... Uh, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. That's always good. When you're going to make a statement like that, if you can have the guy right there with you, that's a plus, all right? So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows They have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. So, outstanding miracle happens, and the Sanhedrin are trying to shut it down, but they don't know what to say, and Peter and John are like, who, who are we going to listen to? You or God, is really what they come up with. And they, they're not sure how to punish them, because there's a miracle, and so they, they don't want to get at odds with the people. And so this, this is a big situation that they're going through. 
Uh, and then if you read down again, they go and they pray with all the believers, and then they're filled with the Spirit again. Now remember, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them, and then they're filled again. So this is a, an ongoing event. Uh, you, you, you are routinely, as you yield to the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time event, um, and, uh, and so it's an ongoing throughout your life thing that, that you, you have the Holy Spirit uh, living in you and dwelling in you and filling you and empowering you. And that's why we talk all the time on the weekends lately about yielding to Him so that we can experience life. But you see throughout the book of Acts again, and then they would be filled with the Spirit. So Acts chapter 2, again in Acts chapter 4, and it goes on and on throughout the, uh, the book of Acts and continues to this day. Um, so some people believe that the stuff that happened in the book of Acts shut down with the apostles and disciples. I am not one of them. I believe it continues on today, and uh, that, that's a whole other uh, discussion, but the, all these things are still going on that started with the early church. Well, the believers were, when you read through the Gospel of Acts, they were, they were sharing with one another what they had um, because there was so much going on there in Jerusalem, nobody wanted to leave. You know, it was just so much amazing stuff happening. And so they were uh, doing what they can to provide for one another there and help one another in the process. Soon enough, persecution would be so intense they would have no choice but to leave. But uh, for that point in time, that's what's going on. We also introduce and meet uh, in the end of four, beginning of five, Barnabas. I think he's beginning in chapter five. Uh, Barnabas plays a big part throughout the book of Acts. He's known as the son of encouragement. Barnabas was an encourager. Uh, Barnabas was able to, um, uh, like, he was the one that went and got Paul and brought him back into ministry after Paul had, when, well, we'll talk about Paul in a minute, but Paul comes on fire with the Lord, and then there's so much heat in Jerusalem, he's kind of got to go away, and he takes a break and really goes and studies uh, and sort of um, is just readying himself with the Lord, and then Barnabas goes and gets him, and we'll see Paul then come back into Antioch, where that church just takes off and the missionary journeys happen, but that's coming up. But we meet Barnabas, so he's a big player in there. You'll see him. The church uh, is talked about in Acts chapter 5. The word for the church is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. So that's what we are. We're the ecclesia. We're the called out ones. We're, we're called out to live for Christ, yielded to the Spirit to make a difference in the world around us, to help usher in the light into the darkness, to be the light uh, that, that he's called us to be. Uh, the disciples in Acts 5 are praying for people. Signs and wonders are taking place. Um, they're arrested again. If you get a chance to read that, you should read that in verse 17 and 18. They're arrested, and then in verses 19 and 20, there's an angel sets them free. I love that. We, we should read that. That's worthy of a read. I love it when the angels show up. You know what happens almost every time the angels show up? What do people say? What do the angels have to say? Do not be afraid. Apparently it causes you to be a little afraid when an angel shows up because they always are saying it. Don't be afraid, but you want to say, haven't you figured out by now every time you show up, everybody hits the ground? <laughs> Just for the last couple thousand years. That's one we Angels like, everybody's like that. Okay, verse 17. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees... 
You know why they're the Sadducees? You've all heard me say this numerous times, right? They didn't believe in the resurrection, so they were... Thank you very much. The Pharisees did, but the Sadducees didn't. They were filled with jealousy. You know why? And they were jealous because they couldn't do the stuff Jesus, the, the, the disciples and the followers of Jesus were doing. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. I love that. So an angel of the Lord shows up. The angel of the Lord appears five times in the book of Acts. Go find him. It's fascinating to watch what happens. Um, the word for angel, it's the same word for messenger of the Lord. Angel shows up, tells him, go and, and uh, preach the gospel. And, and angels are, you know, some people get off a little bit on their angelology, which is an actual word. Uh, I think because they start to worship angels and they do some other stuff where they, they over-listen um, and get off Scripture. But angels are real and exist and um, are, are involved in more things than you probably realize. So, uh, so just so you're aware of that, you, you, it's, that, that the angels haven't stopped doing things uh, from time to time and showing up. And the Scripture even says you, you probably won't even know it when an angel's popped in and out. I have a couple of angel stories. What time is it? One, one of mine is funny because when, so, and it happened right around this time of the year, you know, we do this big night of thanks thing. And, uh, and I'm sorry, you, some of you have heard it, but some of you haven't. The, uh, we're getting ready to do that. We'd done the first one and it was very successful. Uh, it was more successful than I thought it was going to be. And we had deep fried 12 turkeys, me and another guy, uh, for that first event. And it was very stressful to deep fry 12 turkeys. And now I knew it was going to be bigger because that's how things happen here. If we have a successful thing, the next one, people are going to talk about it and it's going to be bigger. And so now I'm thinking, you know, we've probably got to deep fry 20 turkeys. And deep frying turkeys is, if you ever, how many of you have ever deep fried a turkey? It can be, a, when you put that thing in the grease, it's a little exciting. Because if there's any frozenness left to it, it like is like a rocket. It goes, Whoa! So, uh, and you have to watch it closely and time it. And then, so a lot of stuff going on. I'm thinking, man, I, I really don't want to deep fry these turkeys this year. And we were having a worship team practice. And uh, we're in there and this guy walks in. I'd never seen this guy before. And uh, he, he said, uh, he said, nah, I'm Dave the pig man. I said, yeah, okay. <laughs> that didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> he said, uh, I'm here to deep fry your turkeys next week. I want to deep fry your turkeys for you. I was like, get out of here. Because now I do it all over the place. I'm going to be happy to do it for you. I'll do it for free. And, uh, and he's, I said, okay, well, next, next Wednesday. He said, good, I'll be here. And uh, sure enough, he showed up. When he left, I went to everybody in the worship team. I said, I, I don't know, that could be an angel. Because <laughs> I, I, that's like the wildest thing I've ever was thinking about it when he walked in. I about, that's really what was on my mind. Maybe that was an angel. Um, it turns out, it's not, if you've met Dave, he comes to church all the time. He's no angel. But... He's a good dude. And we don't... And so we finally quit deep frying turkeys on, for this event when we were deep frying 6D. I said, okay, it's crazy now. I can't, we can't do this many turkeys. We've got to change. So we found a great turkey uh, instead. But that, that's what happens on that night. So that's one of my angel stories. That wasn't a real one. I don't have time for the other one. The other encounter was with a real one. Uh, 
another time. The disciples, get, uh, they do what the angel says. They go and preach. People are being added to the church. The, the Sadducees don't know what to do with them, and one of them speaks up, Gamaliel, who was actually Paul's teacher uh, uh, before this. When they heard this, verse 33, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Okay, that's what they figured they'd solve the problem with before with Jesus. It was just getting worse. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed them. He said, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do these men. Some time ago, Thutis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed. All his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. For if their purpose or activity, activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. So they thought maybe a beating would make them stop, and it didn't. They got, actually said, yes, we're on the right track, and they never stopped every, every day in the temple courts and from house to house. So this was an ongoing thing. They were just preaching the gospel, preaching Jesus, and people were coming into the kingdom every day. The scripture says, and, and they were added daily, those who were being saved, daily, 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 daily. Uh, Acts chapter 6 and 7, um, so the, now the, the apostles are getting pretty busy and they're trying to take care of everything and so they decide what they really need to do is they need to dedicate themselves to prayer and the word. So they create a new leadership position in the church called deacons. Deacons were full of the spirit, full of wisdom, uh, and they were selected to serve. These were people of good character. Initially there were seven of them full of wisdom in the Holy Spirit. And then onto the scene pops Stephen, one of these guys. Stephen is filled with the Holy Spirit, and he's amazing in his ministry that just takes off immediately. And, uh, and so, um, so since they're, they're kind of a little leery, these religious leaders are going after the, the apostles, they think maybe we can pick off some of these deacons who are out there doing the same thing as some of the people. And so... Stephen, they've come after Stephen, and Stephen begins to preaching to them about Christ using typology that he knows these people that are listening are going to understand. So he goes back into the Old Testament, and he talks about Joseph and how God used the evil things that had been done to him for good. And so he's making a typology of like the crucifixion, how God used the crucifixion for the good, because through the cross... We can, we can all be saved and, and be reconciled to God. He talks about Moses. Uh, Moses is a type of Christ. And, and um, you know, as infants, they were supposed to be killed. Remember, they, they went, tried to get all the newborn when he was trying to get Jesus, the king. Uh, they were re- rejected by their own people. Uh, Moses set his people free from bondage, just like Jesus. So Moses, when you read, it's, it's just a type of Christ that we can see. And then Stephen is stoned to death by the Jewish leaders. An amazing thing here, verse 55 through 60. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, 
I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Paul. And while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. A couple of things there. First, fascinating when he says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Uh, That's the only place where we ever see Jesus standing at the right hand. Every other time he's sitting at the right hand. So get this picture. As Stephen is being martyred to death, Jesus gets up and goes over and gets ready to welcome him into heaven. Isn't that cool? I mean, it's, it's, uh, I think that's amazing. So what's the stand Stephen was taking got Jesus out of his seat to welcome him into the picture. That's pretty cool. And perhaps it was because of the forgiveness that he was extending to the people doing it, which includes Paul. Saul there, but he's going to become Paul. And, and um, Augustine said that the church owes Paul to the prayer of Stephen. Um, so that's pretty fascinating stuff that when you think how those things are happening. And remember how I tell you he invites us into his story and how he's weaves all these things together? Acts chapter 8, there's some changes that happen in 8 through 12. Um, the, the base of operation, you're going to watch that shift from Jerusalem to Antioch. Because of the persecution in Jerusalem, um, s- most of the apostles stay there, the ones that aren't, uh, haven't been crucified or killed already. But the, the rest of them are going out. Peter's going to go out. Uh, Antioch becomes the base of operations, Gentile church. Um, Barnabas goes and gets Paul. And from the Antioch church, they go out and begin to do mission work all over the world. Um, and, and so the focus really moves to Peter next and Peter's ministry and then to Paul and his ministry. Saul begins to persecute the church uh, significantly. Um, Philip, one of the deacons, preaches Christ in Samaria with great power. Um, great story there, if you haven't seen it, when he's talking to the eunuch. And he goes, if you, God, you, you have to read Acts. He goes under the water with the eunuch, and he comes up 50 miles away. He gets translated under the water and ends up in a different spot where God needs him. Really cool when that happens. Pretty powerful baptism. I always pray that happens when we're down there, but I hope I end up somewhere good. Um, (laughs) What am I? Where am I? And then uh, Acts chapter 9, we're going to see Saul. He struck blind, comes to Christ. Um, He's named Paul, born in Tarsus, Roman citizen, uh, student of Gamaliel, tent maker by trade. Really good stuff coming up, but that's enough for today. We could do lots of facts, but you've got enough to think about. So be reading through the book of Acts. Fascinating book and lots of neat stuff happening. We're going to end it there. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Visit us when you can. We'll see you soon. God bless you guys. Have a great time and day.